0: Chapter 6 of Volume 3 of The Mysterious Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fred de The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne. Translated by William Henry Giles Kingston. Volume 3, Chapter 6 however the chief business of the colonists was to make that complete exploration of the island which had been decided upon and which would have two objects to discover the mysterious being whose existence was now indisputable and at the same time to find out what had become of the pirates what retreat they had chosen what sort of life they were leading and what was to be feared from them cyrus harding wished to set out without delay but as the expedition would be of some day's duration it appeared best to load the cart with different materials and tools in order to facilitate the organization of the encampments. One of the unagers, however, having hurt its leg, could not be harnessed at present, and a few days' rest was necessary. The departure was, therefore, put off for a week until the 20th of November. The month of November in this latitude corresponds to the month of May in the northern zones. It was, therefore, the fine season the sun was entering the tropic of capricorn and gave the longest days in the year the time was therefore very favourable for the projected expedition which if it did not accomplish its principal object would at any rate be fruitful in discoveries especially of natural productions since harding proposed to explore those dense forests of the far west which stretched to the extremity of the serpentine peninsula During the nine days which preceded their departure, it was agreed that the work on Prospect Heights should be finished off. Moreover, it was necessary for Ayrton to return to the corral, where the domesticated animals required his care. It was decided that he should spend two days there, and return to Granite House after having liberally supplied the stables. As he was about to start, Harding asked him if he would not like one of them to accompany him, observing that the island was less safe than formerly. Ayrton replied that this was unnecessary, as he was enough for the work, and that besides he apprehended no danger. If anything occurred at the corral or in the neighborhood, he could instantly warn the colonists by sending a telegram to Granite House. Ayrton departed on the ninth, taking the cart drawn by one Onager, and two hours after the electric wire announced that he had found all in order at the corral. During these two days Harding busied himself in executing a project which would completely guard Granite House against any surprise. It was necessary to completely conceal the opening of the old outlet, which was already walled up and partly hidden under grass and plants, at the southern angle of Lake Grant. Nothing was easier, since if the level of the lake was raised two or three feet, the opening would be quite beneath it. Now to raise this level they had only to establish a dam at the two openings made by the lake, and by which were fed Creek Glycerin and Falls River. The colonists worked with a will, and the two dams, which besides did not exceed eight feet in width by three in height, were rapidly erected by means of well cemented blocks of stone. This work finished, it would have been impossible to guess that at that part of the lake there existed a subterranean passage through which the overflow of the lake formerly escaped. Of course, the little stream, which fed the reservoir of Granite House and worked the lift, had been carefully preserved, and the water could not fail. The lift once raised, this sure and comfortable retreat would be safe from any surprise. This work had been so quickly done that Pencroft, Gideon Spilett, and Herbert found time to make an expedition to Port Balloon. The sailor was very anxious to know if the little creek in which the Bonadventure was moored had been visited by the convicts. These gentlemen, he observed, landed on the south coast, and if they followed the shore, it is to be feared that they may have discovered the little harbor, and in that case I wouldn't give half a dollar for our bonadventure. Pencroft's apprehensions were not without foundation, and a visit to Port Balloon appeared to be very desirable. The sailor and his companions set off on the 10th of November, after dinner, well armed. Pencroft, ostentatiously slipping two bullets into each barrel of his rifle shook his head in a way which betokened nothing good to anyone who approached too near him whether man or beast as he said gideon spilett and herbert also took their guns and about three o'clock all three left granite house neb accompanied them to the turn of the mercy and after they had crossed he raised the bridge it was agreed that a gunshot should announce the colonists' return, and that at the signal Neb should return and re-establish the communication between the two banks of the river. The little band advanced directly along the road which led to the southern coast of the island. This was only a distance of three miles and a half, but Gideon Spilett and his companions took two hours to traverse it. They examined all the border of the road, the thick forest, as well as Tabor Marsh. They found no trace of the fugitives who, no doubt, not having yet discovered the number of the colonists, or the means of defense which they had at their disposal, had gained the less accessible parts of the island. Arriving at Port Balloon, Pencroft saw with extreme satisfaction that the Bonadventure was tranquilly floating in the narrow creek. However, Port Balloon was so well hidden among high rocks that it could scarcely be discovered either from the land or the sea. "'Come,' said Pencroft, "'the blackguards have not been there yet.' Long grass suits reptiles best, and evidently we shall find them in the far west. And it's very lucky, for if they had found the Bonadventure, added Herbert, they would have gone off in her, and we should have been prevented from returning to Tabor Island. Indeed, remarked the reporter, it will be important to take a document there which will make known the situation of Lincoln Island and Ayrton's new residence, in case the Scotch yacht returns to fetch him. Well, the Bonadventure is always there, Mr. Spilett answered the sailor she and her crew are ready to start at a moment's notice i think pencroft that that is the thing to be done after our exploration of the island is finished it is possible after all that the stranger if we manage to find him may know as much about tabor island as about lincoln island do not forget that he is certainly the author of the document and he may perhaps know how far we may count on the return of the yacht but exclaimed pencroft who in the world can he be? The fellow knows us, and we know nothing about him. If he is a simple castaway, why should he conceal himself? We are honest men, I suppose, and the society of honest men isn't unpleasant to any one. Did he come here voluntarily? Can he leave the island if he likes? Is he here still? Will he remain any longer? Chatting thus, Pencroft, Gideon Spilett, and Herbert got on board and looked about the deck of the Bonadventure all at once the sailor having examined the bits to which the cable of the anchor was secured hello he cried this is queer what is the matter pencroft asked the reporter the matter is that it was not i who made this knot and pencroft showed a rope which fastened the cable to the bit itself what it was not you asked gideon spilett no i can swear to it this is a reef knot and i always make a running bowline you must be mistaken pencroft "'I am not mistaken,' declared the sailor. "'My hand does it so naturally, and one's hand is never mistaken.' "'Then can the convicts have been on board?' asked Herbert. "'I know nothing about that,' answered Pencroft. "'But what is certain is that someone has weighed the Bonadventure's anchor and dropped it again. "'And look here, here is another proof. "'The cable of the anchor has been run out, and its service is no longer at the hawse hole. "'I repeat that someone has been using our vessel.' But if the convicts had used her, they would have pillaged her, or rather gone off with her. Gone off? Where to? To Tabor Island? replied Pencroft. Do you think they would risk themselves in a boat of such small tonnage? We must, besides, be sure that they know of the islet, rejoined the reporter. However that may be, said the sailor, as sure as my name is Bonadventure Pencroft, of the vineyard, our Bonadventure has sailed without us the sailor was positive that neither gideon spilett nor herbert could dispute his statement it was evident that the vessel had been moved more or less since pencroft had brought her to port balloon as to the sailor he had not the slightest doubt that the anchor had been raised and then dropped again now what was the use of these two manoeuvres unless the vessel had been employed in some expedition "'But how was it we did not see the Bonadventure pass in the sight of the island?' observed the reporter, who was anxious to bring forward every possible objection. "'Why, Mr. Spilett? replied the sailor, "'they would only have to start in the night with a good breeze, and they would be out of sight of the island in two hours.' "'Well,' resumed Gideon Spilett. "'I ask again what object could the convicts have had in using the Bonadventure, and why, after they had made use of her, should they have brought her back to port?' why mr spilett replied the sailor we must put that among the unaccountable things and not think anything more about it the chief thing is that the bonadventure was there and she is there now only unfortunately if the convicts take her a second time we shall very likely not find her again in her place then Pencroft said herbert would it not be wisest to bring the bonadventure off to granite house "'Yes and no,' answered Pencroft. "'Or rather, no. "'The mouth of the Mercy is a bad place for a vessel, "'and the sea is heavy there.' "'But by hauling her up on the sand "'to the foot of the chimneys?' "'Perhaps yes,' replied Pencroft. "'At any rate, since we must leave Granite House "'for a long expedition, "'I think the Bonadventure will be safer here "'during our absence, "'and we shall do best to leave her here "'until the island is rid of these blackguards.' "'That is exactly my opinion,' said the reporter.' At any rate, in the event of bad weather, she will not be exposed here as she would be at the mouth of the mercy. "'But suppose the convicts pay her another visit?' said Herbert. "'Well, my boy,' replied Pencroft, "'not finding her here, they would not be long in finding her on the sands of Granite House, and during our absence nothing could hinder them from seizing her. I agree, therefore, with Mr. Spilett, that she must be left in Port Balloon.' But if, on our return, we have not rid the island of those rascals, it will be prudent to bring our boat to Granite House until the time when we need not fear any unpleasant visits." "'That's settled. Let us be off,' said the reporter." Pencroft, Herbert, and Gideon Spilett, on their return to Granite House, told the engineer all that had passed, and the latter approved of their arrangements both for the present and the future he also promised the sailor that he would study that part of the channel situated between the islet and the coast so as to ascertain if it would not be possible to make an artificial harbor there by means of dams in this way the bonadventure would be always within reach under the eyes of the colonists and if necessary under lock and key that evening a telegram was sent to ayrton requesting him to bring from the corral a couple of goats which neb wished to acclimatize to the plateau singularly enough Ayrton did not acknowledge the receipt of the dispatch, as he was accustomed to do. This could not but astonish the engineer. But it might be that Ayrton was not at that moment in the corral, or even that he was on his way back to Granite House. In fact, two days had already passed since his departure, and it had been decided that on the evening of the 10th, or at the latest the morning of the 11th, he should return. The colonists waited, therefore, for Ayrton to appear on Prospect Heights ned and herbert even watched at the bridge so as to be ready to lower it the moment their companion presented himself but up to ten in the evening there were no signs of ayrton it was therefore judged best to send a fresh dispatch requiring an immediate reply the bell of the telegraph at granite house remained mute the colonists uneasiness was great what had happened was ayrton no longer at the corral or if he was still there had he no longer control over his movements "'Could they go to the corral in this dark night?' "'They consulted. "'Some wished to go, the others to remain. "'But,' said Herbert, "'perhaps some accident has happened to the telegraphic apparatus, "'so that it works no longer.' "'That may be,' said the reporter. "'Wait till tomorrow,' replied Cyrus Harding. "'It is possible, indeed, that Ayrton has not received our dispatch, "'or even that we have not received his.' "'They waited, of course not without some anxiety.' at dawn of day the eleventh of november harding again sent the electric current along the wire and received no reply he tried again the same result off to the corral said he and well armed added pencroft it was immediately decided that granite house should not be left alone and that neb should remain there after having accompanied his friends to creek glycerin he raised the bridge and waiting behind a tree he watched for the return of either his companions or ayrton in the event of the pirates presenting themselves and attempting to force the passage, he was to endeavor to stop them by firing on them, and, as a last resource, he was to take refuge in Granite House, where, the lift once raised, he would be in safety. Cyrus Harding, Gideon Spilett, Herbert, and Pencroft were to repair to the corral, and, if they did not find Ayrton, search the neighboring woods. At six o'clock in the morning, the engineer and his three companions had passed Creek Glycerin, and neb posted himself behind a small mound crowned by several dragon trees on the left bank of the stream the colonists after leaving the plateau of prospect heights immediately took the road to the corral they shouldered their guns ready to fire on the slightest hostile demonstration the two rifles and the two guns had been loaded with ball the wood was thick on each side of the road and might easily have concealed the convicts who owing to their weapons would have been really formidable The colonists walked rapidly and in silence. Top preceded them, sometimes running on the road, sometimes taking a ramble into the wood, but always quiet and not appearing to fear anything unusual. And they could be sure that the faithful dog would not allow them to be surprised, but would bark at the least appearance of danger. Cyrus Harding and his companions followed beside the road, the wire which connected the corral with Granite House after walking for nearly two miles they had not as yet discovered any explanation of the difficulty the posts were in good order the wire regularly extended however at that moment the engineer observed that the wire appeared to be slack and on arriving at post number seventy-four Herbert who was in advance stopped exclaiming the wire is broken his companions hurried forward and arrived at the spot where the lad was standing the post was rooted up and lying across the path. The unexpected explanation of the difficulty was here, and it was evident that the despatches from Granite House had not been received at the corral, nor those from the corral at Granite House. "'It wasn't the wind that blew down this post,' observed Pencroft. "'No,' replied Gideon Spilett. "'the earth has been dug up round its foot, "'and it has been torn up by the hand of man.' "'Besides, the wire is broken,' added Herbert, "'showing that the wire had been snapped.' is the fracture recent asked harding yes answered herbert it has certainly been done quite lately to the corral to the corral exclaimed the sailor the colonists were now halfway between granite house and the corral having still two miles and a half to go they pressed forward with redoubled speed indeed it was to be feared that some serious accident had occurred in the corral no doubt might have sent a telegram which had not arrived but this was not the reason why his companions were so uneasy for a more unaccountable circumstance ayrton who had promised to return the evening before had not reappeared in short it was not without a motive that all communication had been stopped between the corral and granite house and who but the convicts could have any interest in interrupting this communication the settlers hastened on their hearts oppressed with anxiety They were sincerely attached to their new companion. Were they to find him struck down by the hands of those of whom he was formerly the leader? Soon they arrived at the place where the road led along the side of the little stream which flowed from the red creek and watered the meadows of the corral. They then moderated their pace so that they should not be out of breath at the moment when a struggle might be necessary. Their guns were in their hands ready cocked. The forest was watched on every side top uttered sullen groans which were rather ominous at last the palisade appeared through the trees no trace of any damage could be seen the gate was shut as usual deep silence reigned in the corral neither the accustomed bleating of the sheep nor Ayrton's voice could be heard let us enter said cyrus harding and the engineer advanced while his companions keeping watch about twenty paces behind him were ready to fire at a moment's notice harding raised the inner latch of the gate and was about to push it back when top barked loudly a report sounded and was responded to by a cry of pain herbert struck by a bullet lay stretched on the ground End of chapter six recording by fred de